بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار uh, so this is our second lesson on the topic of the the goodly life al-hayatu tayyibah fi al-Qur'an the goodly life as described in the noble Qur'an and in our first lesson we looked at the meaning of life what is life and we looked at the various linguistic meanings which are provided in the you know various dictionaries and there was numerous meanings that we explained first of all one of the meanings is the the the, the latent power you know the the power that is found within things like plants and animals um the ability to grow um the meaning of um the life of the heart not necessarily the body but the the life of the heart itself this is another meaning which include which includes its ability to reason the intellect this is considered to be life as well or also the meaning of uh, the removal of anxiety when a person is free of anxiety then that is life and when a person is full of anxiety then that is not life right so this is another aspect of the meaning also life can mean the life of the hereafter which is eternal and finally it can refer to the life as the attribute of Allah azza wa jal which is the perfect life in which there is no deficiency at all so after looking at these various uh, meanings of life the linguistic meanings of life we then looked at at-tayyibah the word at-tayyibah and at-tayyib and what this means and so essentially uh, there are numerous uh, concepts uh, that which brings pleasure that which brings growth and we looked at various expressions which explain you know the best type of food the best type of women the best type of you know those which are pure and chaste uh, the best type of clothing everything the meaning revolves around that which is the best and most pure and most wholesome and full of goodness and which brings delight and which brings pleasure that's the general you know general meaning of the word at-tayyiba we then looked at life in the quran how is life spoken of in the quran and life is the opposite of death and in the quran it's explained how life uh has been brought out from water or through water or by way of water and that allah azawajal is the originator of all life and he gives life to things there are various things there are plants there are animals and there are those things which have a soul those things which don't have a soul but also have life so basically there's various categorizations in allah's creation which have 
which have life. But not life is not the same for each of those beings. The life of an insect is not the same as the life of an animal. A cat, for example. And that life is not the same as the life of a human, which has a soul. Right? And the soul of a human is not the same as the soul of an animal. So the, basically there are variations of the type and the perfection of life that Allah has put in various you know, of, uh, of His creatures. And so we also mentioned that death is the original status, and then there is life, and then there is death again, and then there will be life again, which is the life of the hereafter. So Allah Zawajal, He mentions these various states in the Qur'an as well. Um, there was various explanations of what does death mean. Uh, death means, for example, some of the Sahaba said, it is the first 120 days in the womb where there is no soul. Right. So this is the meaning of that you were dead first, and then you were given life, and then you will be caused to die again, and then you will be given life again. So one of the ayat in Surah Al-Baqarah. Right, this is one of the meanings. Other meaning of death is basically non-existence. So basically we discussed all of that, uh, death and life, uh, in light of the ayat in the Qur'an. Then there was a discussion about water itself being the basis of life and how Allah Zawajal has, in, in, in the created sense, there are various things that make up life. So for example, we need water, we need air, we need food. Right, we need oxygen. There are various things, there are various ways and means that come together. And through all of these ways and means, Allah Azawajal has basically created life. We emphasize the fact, by way of an ayah, uh, which mentions how those things besides Allah which are worshipped, they do not create, they themselves are created, they own nothing, they control neither harm nor benefit, nor do they have control over death, life or resurrection. So from this ayah, uh, we led on to arguments which took place between Nimrud and Ibrahim salam about the issue of Allah's rububiyyah and how Ibrahim salam he uh, uh, refuted him with a powerful argument. And then we also went on to mention numerous ayat in the Qur'an where Allah brings people back to life. In the Qur'an there are five or six examples of which in which Allah causes people to die and brings them back to life and made some of the prophets to witness and experience these affairs. Many of them are in Surah Al-Baqarah in relation to Bani Israel. And so we mentioned all of these ayat to show and to emphasize the fact that Allah Azawajal, He is the sole originator of life. No one else is able to create life. And this is basically a challenge to the you know, uh, we can draw this and present it as a challenge to, to the atheists and the materialists and the naturalists, uh, the, the, the nature worshippers, those that worship nature. And we challenge them to produce life, create life. If you believe all of this is just, you know, came about by, you know, random processes uh, without any purpose or goal or direction, create life. Create life for us in the lab if you if you are able, and it's not possible for them to to do that. And so this is clear evidence that life behind it is knowledge, power, wisdom, will, choice, intent. It's obvious when we reflect upon life that these attributes are clearly present in what we see, meaning that the, the, the life is a result of these attributes. 
and these attributes uh, attributes must be possessed by an agent or a being. And so if they claim what they claim, then let them produce life in the laboratory, and that is something that they cannot do, and they will never, ever, ever be able to do. Uh, then we mentioned some ayat about the revival of the earth and plants and things of that nature. And then we basically sum, uh, summarized the essence of that uh, section. Uh, life is a gift. It's a gift from Allah to his creation. And he bestows life in order to test the people to see which of them is best in deeds. And uh, as for the goodly life, the life which is tayyib, it is the life which Allah has chosen for his believing servants in that they obey him, they obey his messengers and through that they achieve the true, you know, the true life which is the life in the hereafter. So that was a basic introduction to life, al-hayat and al-tayyibat, the meaning of these two words, both linguistically and also legislatively, meaning that meaning which is found in the Qur'an. So once we are clear about these two meanings, these two words, and they are clear in our minds now. We're going to now move into the next section, which is on the reality of the dunya, the reality of the world. And the Qur'an has made a distinction between how the believer sees the world and how the disbeliever sees the world, and how the disbeliever experiences the world. And this has been made sufficiently clear in the Qur'an. Um, and so there are numerous things that we're going to look at, inshallah ta'ala. The first, there are three or four sections. The first section then is what is the reality of the world um, as described in the Qur'an, and the fact that it is you know, worth nothing in the sight of Allah Azawajal. The one who created it and everything upon it, it is worth nothing in his sight. So, the Qur'an, the Noble Qur'an, has used a number of different words to describe the reality of this world. From those words is mata'a. Mata'a. This word means um, an enjoyment or you know, it's referred to as simple goods, merchandise, goods, mata'a. This is mentioned numerous times in the Qur'an. So by way of example, Allah Azawajal, He said, Allahu yabsutu rizqa liman yasha wa yaqdir. Allah is the one who expands the provision to whomever He wills. And He restricts it as well to whomever He wills. وَفَرِحُوا بِالْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا فِي الْآخِرَةِ إِلَّا مَتَاعِ And then he says, and they, they rejoice with the life of this world. Yet, the life of this world in comparison to the hereafter is nothing but just, you know, like, like an enjoyment, a fleeting, temporary enjoyment. So here we see the word مَتَاعِ has been used, and we'll come to that shortly, the meaning of this. Likewise, the Prophet Salih, السلام, he said the same thing to his people, when he said, Ya qawm, innama hadhihi al-hayatu dunya mata'a, wa inna al-akhirata hiya darul qarar. 
O my people, indeed the life of the world is but a mata'ah, which is, you know, an enjoyment. And indeed the hereafter is that which is the permanent abode, the permanent residence. And the word al-mata'ah, ma yutamata'u bihi wa yuntafa wa yuntafa, that which, that by which a person derives utility or pleasure, usefulness or pleasure, and which, which is, you know, which is of benefit. For example, it can be, um, an axe as an object that a person uses to benefit him, or it can be a pot, a cooking pot, or it can be a, a bowl. Right, these are all what we call mata'. These are things of utility that we have in the life of this world. Right, so everything, a car, you know, a, a table, everything that we have, these, these are from the, you know, the, 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 the enjoyments or the, the utilities or the goods uh, of this life. All of these things, they provide benefit, but eventually they will come to an end. There's nothing from these affairs that will remain and last forever. Right, so mata' refers to all of these types of things. Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, in relation to these ayat, that this belittles the affair of the world, and, you know, makes it to be insignificant, and to show that it is dani'ah, it is lowly, and it was something, it is something that will perish, it is perishing, it is qalila, it is you know, small, za'ila, it is something that will cease to exist. Just as Allah Azza wa Jal, He said, بَلْ تُؤْثِرُونَ الْحَيَاةَ الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ وَعَبَقَى That you give preference to the world, to the life of the world, but the hereafter is better and more everlasting. Similarly, the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, وَمَا أُوْتِيتُمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ فَمَتَاعُ الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا وَزِينَتُهَا وَمَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ خَيْرٌ وَعَبَقَى that which you have been given of anything is but the enjoyment of the life of the world and its glitter. And that which is with Allah is better and more lasting. And the hadith also makes this very clear in which the Messenger of Allah said, Wallahi ma dunya fil akhirah illa mithla ma yuj'alu ahadukum asba'ahu fil yam falyanzur bima tarji' ilayh. He said, by Allah, the world in relation to the hereafter is not except as the likeness of when one of you places his finger into the river and he brings it back out again. So let one of you look what remains, you know, what, what remains on his, on his finger of the water. And this is the reality of the world, right? So here, the similitude, the similitude is of a river or an ocean. But if one of us was even to put a finger in the glass of water like this and take it back out again, we know that drops would remain here and the rest would remain in the bottle. Right? So imagine how much more so this is when it's in relation to a river, a sea or an ocean. So this is the reality of, of the dunya. Right? It is, it is insignificant and it is minuscule. Qatada, radiyallahu anhu, he said, 
that the world is a mata' it is you know simply uh, uh, objects and merchandise and utilities and enjoyment that we that we enjoy and it is something that will be left and abandoned meaning after death and by him besides whom none is worthy of worship it will perish it will eventually disappear and fade away therefore take only from this enjoyment that which allows you to obey Allah if you are able and there is no power and no might except by way of Allah so in other words that everything in this world is its eventual outcome will be that it will perish and so therefore you should take only from from it that which will make you and cause you and make easy for you the obedience to Allah Azza wa Jal. So this is the first word which has been used. Right? It is mata'. The second word which has been used to describe the reality of this world is the word ghurur. Ghurur. Which is deception. Deception. Allah Zawjal, He said, كُلُّ نَفْسٍ ذَائِقَةُ الْمَوْتِ وَإِنَّمَا تُوَفَّوْنَ أُجُورَكُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Every soul will taste death. And indeed, you will be recompensed with your with your dues, with your rewards on the Day of Judgment. فَمَنْ زُحْزِحَ عَنِ النَّارِ وَأُدْخِلَ الْجَنَّةِ فَقَدْ فَازِ So whoever is delivered, saved from the fire, and is entered into paradise, then he will have been successful. وَمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا and this world and the world, the life of the world is not except the uh, you know a, a deceptive enjoyment. A deceptive enjoyment. Now here some of the Mufassireen they explain why has it been described here as Mata'ul uh, Ghurur, you know, which which gives the notion or the idea of merchandise which is deceptive right goods which are deceptive and so some of the mufassirin they say that if you think about in some of the worldly transactions when people sell things to other people what they do is they will sometimes deceive that other person about the reality of the good of of the good or the goods in order to make that person buy it. Right? So for example, sometimes you have car salesmen who will make the car to appear, you know, uh, better than what it seems, right? Um, and maybe there's all sorts of tricks and deceptions that they use, right? To basically entice and to deceive that other person to buy the car. And it can be the same with, you know, uh, any other type of service or good. And this is something that you see frequently amongst uh, the people. A lot of deception used in order to sell goods or to sell services. You see this in everything, in pretty much everything. You see it in finance, um, in banking, you know, um, all of which is fraudulent, you know, the uh, banking based upon usury. Uh, you see it in... Um, Many investment schemes, you see it in sales of goods, pretty much across the board there is deception, right? So, uh, 
the, the analogy, then the similitude of the world is basically the same. Right? But there's a difference. There's a difference between the one who prefers this world over the hereafter, then he is the one who has been deceived, just like the one who was deceived by the car salesman, or by the, for example, the fraudulent banks that, you know, give out loans when they don't have any money, right? They don't have anything to actually give of themselves. It's basically all a fraud and a scam. Um, and or whether we speak about, you know, everything else in which there is, you know, fraudulent type of behavior in which there's deception involved, right? There's a deception involved in making someone buy something or take, you know, take a service or buy a good and it's all deception. So if if there's a person who prefers the world over the hereafter, right, then he is no different to the person who's been deceived in uh, in, in in transactions, right, in buying in, in in buying things, right. He's been defrauded and been deceived about the nature of what he is buying. But as for the one who does not prefer the world over the hereafter and he only uses the world as a means for the hereafter then for this person it is not mata'ul ghurur right for this person now it is different because this person hasn't actually been deceived about the nature of the goods right he knows what the reality of the goods actually are he knows the true worth and then he uses them to his advantage or to his benefit for the hereafter. Right? And that's the difference. And so that's why this similitude in the Quran of the world, when it mentions, for example, it is mata' and then it is mata'ul ghurur, these are very, very, um, you know, uh, uh, relevant and insightful words about the reality of life, but also the difference between the one who prefers it over the hereafter and the one who uses it for the hereafter. Right? This is very, very, uh, makes it very, very clear. Also from the terms and words which have been used to describe the life of this world are two words which come together. Lahwun wa la'ibun. Lahwun wa la'ibun. Which means, they mean, um, amusement, and play, pastime, amusement, play. This occurs frequently in the Quran. For example, the statement of Allah Zawajal, وَمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا لَعِبٌ وَلَهُ وَالدَّارُ الْآخِرَةِ خَيْرٌ لِلَّذِينَ يَتَّقُونَ أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ The life of the world is not except لَعِبٌ وَلَهُ which is play, and amusement, or play and pastime, or idleness. And indeed, the home of the hereafter is better for those who have taqwa, those who fear Allah and obey Him. Will you then not have, you know, will you then not reason and understand? And also the statement of Allah Azawajal, إِنَّمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا لَعِبٌ وَلَهُ وَإِن تُؤْمِنُوا وَتَتَّقُوا يُؤْتِكُمْ أُجُورَكُمْ وَلَا يَسْأَلْكُمْ أَمْوَالَكُمْ Indeed, the life of this world is la'ib. It is a play, walahu, and it is idle, idleness, and just 
you know, past time. And if you believe and have fear of Allah, you have taqwa of Allah, He will give you your rewards and He will not demand from you your wealth. And once again, وَمَا هَذِهِ الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا لَهْوٌ وَلَعِبٌ Now it's the other way around. The life of this world is not except, you know, idleness, wasting of time and pastime. وَإِنَّ الدَّارَ الْآخِرَةِ لَهِيَ الْحَيَوَانِ لَوْ كَانُوا يَعْلَمُونَ And indeed, the hereafter, that is the true life, if they were to know, if they knew. Also we see the reality of the world described by a poet when he said, أَلَا إِنَّمَا الدُّنْيَا كَأَحْلَامِ نَائِمٍ وَمَا خَيْرُ عِيشٍ لَا يَكُونُ بِدَائِمٍ The meaning of which is roughly, indeed, the world is but like the dream of the one who is asleep. The life of this world is but like the dream of the one who is asleep. And it is not, it is not, you know, the best of life. It is not something which is, which is everlasting. So in other words, treat this life as if you are in a dream. And as you often experience, you know, in the morning you're having a dream and all of a sudden you are enjoying the dream. And then all of a sudden, and you start believing that the dream is is true and real. And then all of a sudden you have a rude awakening and you realize, I was just sleeping and I was dreaming. And this is the reality of this this world. It is exactly the same. Also it has been said as well, that the meaning of that the world is la'ibun wa lahu. It means that for those people who seek after the world and its pleasures, then there is no end to its pleasures. There's no end to the play and the pastime. And this is true. If you look at disbelieving societies, atheistic societies, or societies which are uh, far away from the revealed books and from the sent messengers, which is most of the you know, Western nations uh, which are affected by atheism and materialism, what do you see in these societies? Everything is about play and amusement. Right? All of this is a distraction from, you know, uh, from, from, from true life. So you see people either engrossed in uh, music or movies or following sports or, you know, varieties of different types of enjoyments which give pleasure, you know, to, uh, to, to the bodies, to the eyes, to the, to the tongues, to the taste, to, you know, everything, everything is just, uh, built around materialism and play and pastime. And then they also find new ways and means that every, every, every time we progress over time, then there's, new ways and new, you know, uh, methods of getting people involved in la'ib and lahu, right? Whether it's, you know, like there's computer games, which started off very crudely. Then you start getting more realistic types of games. Then you start competing with hundreds of other people across the world. Then you then start becoming more and more realistic. And, you know, you become more and more engrossed as time goes on, then you start having artificial reality. You can put, you know, the, the goggles on, and it's like as if you are really 
actually in this world, right? So as time progresses, the, 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 the ways and the means of enjoyment and these pastimes and wasting of time, then it becomes more and more sophisticated, realistic, and it captures more and more of you and your time, and you become more and more engrossed. Right? So this is, this is uh, as it has been said, that the reason why the world has been called la'ib and lahu is because la'aqibata lahu. There is no end to it. There would be no end to the ways you can, you can, you can enjoy. Right? And we can apply this to everything. There's no way, there's no end to the way you can enjoy food. You see all of these programs on the TV now about, you know, baking and cooking and so on and so forth and people sit there and watch engrossed because food is something that the soul, it, you know, it likes, it finds pleasure. And so it, it sits there watching, dreaming and drooling over the, the, the food and because there's no end to the way you can enjoy the food across the world. And the same thing can be said about everything else, you know, um, about uh, pleasures uh, of a, of a, you know, uh, sexual nature, and you know, amongst the disbelievers, you see that there's no end to the way in that they want to satisfy their, their their desires, right? There's no end to it. If a person wants to enter into this ocean, there'll be no end to this ocean. So this is why the world has been described as laibun and nahwun and gurur and a deception as well. It is also said by some of the Mufassireen that the meaning of la'ib and lahu is that it means batil wa ghurur. La'ib and lahu, which means that which is futile, false, in vain. And ghurur meaning deception. Right? So this is another interpretation of these two words. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, he said, in, when speaking about these types of verses that mention the the life which is la'ib and lahu, he said this is the life of a disbeliever because he spends, uh, or, you know, it's merged and engrossed in that which is ghurur and batil, that which is in vain and that which is deception. And this is true. The life of a disbeliever who does not believe in the hereafter, and who does not respond to the books and the messengers, then his life will be guru, it will be deception. He will be deceived by life and its pleasures, and it will be in vain. As for the life of the believer, Ibn Abbas continues, فَأَمَّا حَيَاتُ الْمُؤْمِنِ فَتَنْطَوِي عَلَىٰ أَعْمَالٍ صَالِحًا فَلَا تَكُونُ لَهْوًا وَلَعِبًا As for the life of a believer, then the believer's life is wrapped, is wrapped in righteous deeds. So therefore, his life therefore will not be lahu wa la'ib. So the life of a believer who believes in the messengers, responds to the messengers, and establishes the obligations, keeps away from the prohibitions, his life now is wrapped and clothed in righteous deeds. So how can his life be play and pastime? And in vain, it is not. So that's the difference between the life of a believer and the life of a disbeliever. <coughs> also the statement of Ali radiallahu anhu, he said, الدُّنْيَا دَارُ صِدْقٍ لِمَنْ صَدَقَهَا الدُّنْيَا 
daru sidqin liman sadaqaha which means that the world is an abode of truth for the one who was liman sadaqaha this generally means for the one who knew its reality and was truthful to it right how can you be, how can you how does a person be true to the world a person is true to the world because he knows its reality as allah zawajal has explained it then he treats it accordingly and he uses it for the hereafter so for that person the world is daru sidqin right so for the believer who does righteous deeds and is pious the world is daru sidqin liman sadaqa meaning he is truthful it is an abode of truth and he is manifesting his truthfulness wa daru najatin liman fahima anha and it is an abode of deliverance of safety for the one who under understands it for the one who understands it so the one who understands the reality of the world then it will be an abode which is his deliverance wa daru ghina liman tazawwada minha and it is an abode of richness the world is an abode of richness for the one who took his provisions from it liman tazawwada minha meaning the one who took his provisions from it for the hereafter these are three beautiful uh, statements from ali radhiyallahu anhu three sentences as mentioned by uh, by al-qurtubi in his tafsir and so uh for the disbeliever it's the opposite obviously right the disbeliever is in a bode of 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 lying like not lying necessarily in terms of speech but in terms of that you are not acting in a way which which is based upon the true reality of what the world actually is right and it is not an abode of deliverance for the disbeliever because he hasn't truly understood its reality and nor is it an abode of richness because the riches of the world are not really the true riches right so this is a tremendous statement from ali radhiyallahu ta'ala anhu about the reality of the world for a believer and conversely if we apply it the other way around for the disbeliever now so 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 far what what have we got so far we have seen that Allah Zawajal has described the world with numerous words, mata' and then mata'ul ghurur, which is a very beautiful description. We gave the parable of how a person can be de- uh, deceived in terms of uh, uh, buying things where the seller is you know, uh, deceiving that person to buy the good and the person is deceived and buys it. Then the world has been described in a like manner. Also it's been described as lahwun wa la'ib, just mere idleness and play and amusement and um so then we see that after this allah zawajal also gives us numerous parables similitudes by which we can understand the reality of this world so we'll mention three ayat or three passages in the quran which describe to us the reality of the world and this is by way of something that we can physically see with our eyes with the rain being sent down mixing with the earth producing plants and growth and then that growth it eventually it 
dries and withers and perishes and is blown away by the wind. And this is something that everybody can see and experience, you know, this life cycle, we see it all the time. And so the reality of the world has been explained to us by way of this similitude in this parable. So from those ayat in the Quran, Surah Al-Kahf, the 18th Surah, verse number 45, وَضْرِبْ لَهُمْ مَثَلَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا كَمَا إِنْ أَنزَلْنَاهُ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ فَاخْتَلَطَ بِهِ نَبَاتُ الْعَرْضِ فَأَسْبَحَ حَشِيمًا تَذْرُوهُ الرِّيَاحِ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ مُقْتَدِرًا Set forth for them the similitude of the life of the world. As water that we send down from the sky, which then mixes with, you know, it merges and it produces the growth, the, 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 the vegetation of the earth, and then it becomes dry and is spread by the, the wind. And indeed, Allah is powerful over everything. And also the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, إِنَّمَا مَثَلُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا كَمَا إِنْ أَنزَلْنَاهُ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ فَاخْتَلَطَ بِهِ نَبَاتُ الْأَرْضِ مِمَّا يَأْكُلُ النَّاسُ وَالْأَنْعَامِ حَتَّى إِذَا أَخَذَتِ الْأَرْضُ زُخْرُفَهَا وَزَيَّنَتْ وَظَنَّ أَهْلُهَا أَنَّهُمْ قَادِرُونَ عَلَيْهَا أَتَاهَا أَمْرُنَا لَيْلًا أَوْ نَهَارًا فَجَعَلْنَاهَا حَسِيدًا كَأَنْ لَمْ تَغْنَ بِالْأَمْسِ كَذَلِكَ نُفَصِّلُ الْآيَاتِ لِقَوْمٍ, لقوم يَتَفَقَّرُونَ So indeed the life of this world is like the water that we send down and it mixes and produces the vegetation of the earth from those things that the people eat from and that the animals eat from, until the uh, until it grows, and then it be, you know the earth becomes beautified by way of it, and it becomes beautified, and so in other words, you see the things that grow, they are beautiful. You see, you know, you see grape vines, you see peaches, you see, um, you know, apples, oranges, pears, plums. You see all these things, and the visual stimulation that you have, and it just looks looks beautiful. Was zayyanat. And it looks beautiful, beautiful. وَظَنَّ أَهْلُهَا أَنَّهُمْ قَادِرُونَ عَلَيْهَا So when they see all this, the people who own these gardens and these you know, places, they think that they have complete disposal over these fruits and these vegetations. However, there comes our command by day or by night, and we turn it into, you know, like a, a harvest which has been destroyed. Meaning Allah destroys it all. And, you know, um, as if this hadn't even existed the day before. It's all just gone. First does Allah make clear to you His signs, make clear His signs to a people who reflect and think. So, here again is a similitude of the earth, of the, of the, of the world itself. And it is no different to uh, how people can sometimes be deceived by the vegetation and the growth which if Allah wills, He can destroy it and take it away in an instant. And finally, another statement, uh, another ayah in the Qur'an, Surah Al-Hadid. And this is a very important verse because it explains the reality of what the people are involved in. What are the people's activities in the life of this world? And so he says, Allah Azza wa Jal, اِعْلَمُوا أَنَّمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا لَعِبٌ وَلَحْوٌ وَزِينَةٌ وَتَفَاخُرٌ بَيْنَكُمْ وَتَكَاثُرٌ فِي الْأَمْوَالِ وَالْأَوْلَادِ 
So he said, no, have knowledge, no. That indeed the life of the world is la'ib. It's just nothing but play. Lahu, which is, you know, time, a wastage of, of time and idleness and, you know, wazinatun and adornment and beautification. وَتَفَاخُرٌ بَيْنَكُمْ And just mutual boasting between yourself. The, you boast between yourself about wealth, possessions, homes, things like this. وَتَكَاثُرٌ فِي الْأَمْوَالِ وَالْأَوْلَادِ And then competing with each other to see who can get the most wealth, who can have the most offspring, who can have the largest family. Right? This is all it is. And... Then he goes on to give a similitude, This is like rain which falls, and the farmer becomes amazed that this rain is going to produce lots of vegetation. Right? It, it amazes him. But eventually what happens is that this vegetation ends up becoming dry, yellow, it withers, and it just turns, you know, into, into straw. It ends up as nothing. So, this is the similitude of the life of this world. That's all it is. shadid. But in the hereafter, there will be a painful, a severe punishment. And also a forgiveness from Allah and His good pleasure. And the life of this world is but the you know uh, deceptive amusement so here five things are mentioned play amusement uh, beautification boasting and just mutual rivalry in collecting the goods of this world so there are examples in the quran in which certain believers are mentioned who came to know the reality of the world one of those people one of the, one of those groups of people were the magicians of Fir'aun. Because when the magicians of Fir'aun, when he, when Allah put Iman into their hearts, it made them realize the reality of the world and how the world is nothing. It is fleeting. It is perishing. And so despite the fact that Fir'aun was going to punish them in a severe way, in a painful way, they still preferred the hereafter over the world, right? So this is a proof that iman has has you know istahkama istahkama meaning that it has been deeply rooted into the heart of a person, right? And one of the signs is that a person is willing to undergo uh, pain and torment and punishment in preference for the hereafter, right? So how many people are prepared to undergo? Not even, I mean, leave aside the pain and the torment of these magicians who became believers, but even just the everyday toils and hardships that we have to go through in order to, you know, um, uh, maintain our iman. So, uh, so basically, nothing made them fearful of turning away, of staying upon uh, the pleasure of Allah Azza wa Jal, and they said to Fir'aun, "Qalu." لَن نُؤْثِرَكَ عَلَى مَا جَاءَنَا مِنَ الْبَيِّنَاتِ وَالَّذِي فَطَرَنَا فَقْضِ مَا أَنْتَ قَاضٍ إِنَّمَا تَقْضِ هَذِهِ الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا They said, we shall not 
prefer you over what has come to us of the clear evidences and he who has originated us. So you judge. Indeed, you can only judge in the life of this world. So, from this discussion so far then, this first section that we've discussed, we mentioned how the world is a mata' and a mata'ul ghurur, that which is, is deceptive, and it is la'ib and lahu, it is a play and amusement and idleness, and various similitudes have been given in the Qur'an of the reality of the world, and this shows then that the life of a believer cannot therefore derive from the life of the world itself. This is the whole point that we are that we are making, right? The life of a disbeliever is built upon the world and its delights and its and its pleasures and so on and so forth. Wealth, offspring, mutual rivalry, competing, you know, that's what the life of, of a of an atheist, a materialist, a naturalist, or a person who's far, far away from the books and the messengers, that what, what is that is what his life has to by necessity derive from. But the life of a believer, once we've understood all of this, what does it derive from? And um, as as we see here, the summary for dunya fil Quran al Karim, mataun wa mataul ghurur wa lahun wa laibun waqad wusifat bidalik li qasri muddatiha. The world has been described with all of these things because of the shortness of its duration. لكن حياة المؤمن تنتوي على أعمال صالحة فلا تكون لهوا ولعبا However, the life of a believer, it is wrapped and enveloped and clothed in righteous actions. So therefore, it cannot be lahu and لعبا. It cannot be. It is not a past. It is not you know, a waste, an amusement. The life of a believer cannot be like this because it is not, it's not derived from the world itself. So this then is the first session, or first section in relation to how the Qur'an has depicted the reality of this world. The next section that we want to look at is how has Allah described love of the world in the Qur'an? How is love of the world? How has it been described in the Quran? So, Allah Azza wa Jal, there are numerous ayat in the Quran which which uh, rebuke and criticize people or a person, a person or people for being inclined to the world. And there are some uh, ayat which explain this very very well. Perfectly well. The first ayah is an ayah in which Allah Zawajal, He says, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu, idha darabtum fi sabilillah, fatabayyanu, wala taqulu liman alqa ilaykum salam lasta mu'mina. O you who believe, when you set out in the path of Allah, then verify, verify things. And do not say to the one who comes and gives you salam, you are not a believer. تَبْتَغُونَ عَرَضَ الْحَيَاةِ dunya, Seeking thereby the portion of the world. This ayah was revealed when some of the Muslims, they went out in the path of Allah 
And they came across a man who had with him, you know, camels and possessions. And he said to them, Assalamu alaikum. Right? He, you know, came and presented as a Muslim. But they killed him and they took his possessions. And then they came to the Messenger of Allah and they told him, and this ayah was basically revealed. And so what the ayah is saying, that basically it, it uh, rebuked this group of people because they killed a man because they wanted his possessions and they didn't believe that he was a genuine Muslim. And it ordered them that they must verify. You must verify things. That when you set out, then you must verify the affairs. And also in general, this ayah here is also, as some of the Mufassirun explain, uh, like a Sa'di and others, that this ayah here is a principle of verification whenever we set out, uh, 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 as, as we see, إِذَا uh, ضَرَبْتُمْ The word ضَرَبْتُمْ is used by the Arabs, ضَرَبَ You know, ضَرَبْتُ فِي الْأَرْضِ means to go out, for example, in, in the sake of Allah for jihad or for trade, for example, or for any other type of activity. So this ayah is a basis of making verification, to verify things. So, in any case, what the meaning here is that this is a warning that uh, that you should... It's a warning from trying to gain material benefit. Arab, the Arab of, of, of the world, the, the portion of the share of the world, uh, in, in, in this way which involves oppression and taking a person's life. Right? So this is, this is unlawful. This means that the person is inclined towards the earth. So when a person is inclined towards the earth, it will lead him to commit evil, foul, wicked, oppressive actions. Right? When a person is inclined towards the earth. Look at the next ayah. In the next ayah, this is speaking about when there is the, uh, you know, when there is the, uh, in, in, in the case of war and captives are taken, and from those captives are female captives. And it says, the ayah is, is a longer ayah, but the part of it it says, because it deals with rulings to do with the, with the captives. وَلَا تُكْرِهُ فَتَيَاتِكُمْ عَلَى الْبِغَاءِ إِنْ أَرَضْنَ تَحَسُّنًا إِنْ أَرَضْنَ تَحَسُّنًا لِتَبْتَغُوا عَرَضَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا This, this ayah, let me tell you the, 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 the background to this verse, uh, as is explained by the, the Mufassireen. So this ayah, it is said that it was revealed in relation to Abdullah bin, bin Ubay bin Salul, from the heads of the hypocrites. And he used to have a number of slave girls. And what he used to do was that when he would get visitors, he would send them the slave girls so that they could have relations with them for enjoyment. And this was in order to um, honor his guests, so to speak. So basically, essentially, you know, it, it's like prostitution, right? And other people will do it for prostitution. And also some of the other Mufassirun explain uh, that it is, uh, you know, that this is referring to when a person, um, he forces these women into uh, prostitution in order to make money, Right? But what is this emanating from? This is emanating from a person whose heart is inclined towards the earth. And he will have no scruples in forcing people into, like in this example here, into prostitution, to make money. Right? And 
so in other words that when 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 people when people become inclined to the earth it will lead them to vile evil actions so anyway as occurs in the uh, the narrations in the the books of tafsir this came to the knowledge of the messenger of allah sallam and he ordered that those uh, that, that those uh, captives or slave girls be taken from abdullah bin obey bin salul and then they become really ups- they became really upset about this and became really angry and they said look you know he's taking from us our our livelihood and our possessions and this and became angry All right so um uh so that's that ayah that's a second example of how when you become inclined to the earth you can do evil evil things you kill people in the first ayah you force others into prostitution in the second uh, the second example and um, a third example in the quran the messenger of allah sallam he's, he's ordered uh, he's given uh, advice wasbir nafsaka ma'al ladhina yad'una rabbahum bil ghadati wal ashi yuriduna wajha have patience in the company of those who call upon their lord in the morning and the evening seeking his face and do not turn your eyes away from them seeking the pleasure of the life the, you know the the beauty of the life of the world and do not obey those whom whose hearts we have made heedless of our remembrance and who follows his desire and his and his affair has gone into you know uh, excess basically this ayah is speaking about a warning the messenger of allah sallam against the company of the rich elite and the noble elite right and to satisfy himself to be in the company of the poor the poor who call upon allah worship him and you know um seeking his face because to seek to be present amongst the nobles and the elite and the rich then it's a kind of you know it's even though we know that the messenger of islam did not does not desire the glitter of the world but this is an advice that he not be in their company because this is like a type or a manifestation of being inclined to the world right but rather to be satisfied with the the, the poor who are righteous and obedient and who are worshipers and who are not inclined to the world rather they're inclined to the hereafter whereas the nobles and the rich and the elite they are inclined to the to, to the world and this is what we see all the time the the very rich the powerful the elite you know they they are generally they're inclined to the world and when you mix with them and be in their company then you will become inclined towards the world as well and a fourth example for a second third fourth or the fifth example the fourth example sorry uh, is when the messenger of allah sallam is told to uh, inform his wives Ya ayuhan nabi qul li azwajik in kuntun in in kuntunna turidna alhayata dunya wa zinataha fata'alayna umatti'kunna wa usarrihkunna sirahan jamila say o prophet to your wives if you desire the life of the world and its glitter then come then i shall release you meaning uh, divorce you and separate from you and give you a handsome you know um Uh, release like a beautiful uh, release so again this is another example to show how the prophet sallam was told that if his wives want the ease of the because being 
the wife of the Prophet is an affair that requires patience and you know uh, effort and so on and so forth, toil, struggle, and that he was told say, that if you want the world, I'll I'll divorce you, and you can have the world. I'll give you a beautiful separation. You can go. So again, this is uh, another ayah which explains how the Quran warns against being inclined to the world because having that in your heart can lead you to do things which are oppressive and lowly and despicable or make you you know lose sight of the hereafter so this is the beautiful way that the Quran has presented this message to us uh, ibn mas'ud radiyallahu ta'ala anhu he read the ayah or the, the passage subbihisma rabbikal a'la subbihisma rabbikal a'la glorified be the name glorify the name of your lord the most high and he kept reading this surah till he came to the ayah bal tu'thirun al-hayata dunya but rather you prefer the life of the world then he stopped reciting the quran and he turned to his companions and he said atharna dunya he said, we have preferred the world over the hereafter. فَسَكَتَ الْقَوْمِ The people and the companions became silent. Think about what is he saying? And he said again, أَثَرْنَ dunya. We have preferred the world. لِأَنَّا رَأَيْنَا زِينَتَهَا وَنِسَاءَهَا وَتَعَامَهَا وَشَرَابَهَا وَزُوِيَتْ عَنَّا الْآخِرَةِ فَاخْتَرْنَا هَذَا الْعَاجِلِ وَتَرَكْنَا الْآجِلِ he said, again, we've preferred the world because we've seen its its beauty. We've seen its zina, its adornment. We've seen its women. We've seen its food. We've seen its drink. And the hereafter has been, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, veiled from us or separated from us. And we have chosen the temporary or that which is present now. And we have abandoned that which is, you know, in the hereafter. So Ibn Kathir, rahimullah, commenting upon this statement, he says, from Ibn Mas'ud, this is simply, he's being humble when he's saying that we have preferred, well, he's just being humble. And, you know, uh, otherwise what Ibn, Ibn Mas'ud is really saying that he's speaking about society as a whole. He's not speaking about himself. Right? He's just being humble, but instead of saying, you people have left and you people have this and you will, he's being humble and he's saying that we have, meaning as a society. Right, that this is um, how he's describing it. So the intent then is um, okay. So so once this is clear, we have been warned against being inclined to the world because it leads to these outcomes. However, and this is important now, When the Qur'an warns from being inclined and preferring the world, then um, there's, a, there's actually a condition that we need to uh, make clear. In fact, we'll come to that very shortly. Uh, but for now, there's a, the statement which we'll explain. Let me just mention a few of the meanings of these ayat. Um, it can mean that you Muslims have... Uh, you are acquiring more of the world, then you are acquiring rewards. This is another meaning of 
that verse that Ibn Mas'ud commented upon here. You prefer the world over the hereafter. Meaning that you prefer gathering the world more than gathering reward for righteous deeds. And another meaning of that statement, بَلْ تُؤْثِرُونَ الْحَيَاةَ dunya, is that um, it refers to the disbelievers in general. Why? Because the disbelievers have preferred the world, they are pleased with it, they are satisfied with it, and they turn away from the hereafter completely. Right? So, some of the explainers say that this ayah is referring to the disbelievers only. Others are saying it refers to the believers as well. And um, what is correct is that this ayah and what, what is similar to it refers to everybody. Everybody enters into this. Disbelievers and also believers as well. Disbelievers who abandon the hereafter in totality and believers who give preference to the world over the hereafter and gathering the world over gathering righteous deeds. So this now comes to that um, exception that we were going to make, the important exception, we're going to finish on this point inshallah ta'ala. And so this is from the Mufassir ibn Ashur, who says, it's a paragraph, I'm going to summarize what, what he basically says. So what he basically says, that this admonition in the Qur'an regarding the world, is only for the one who falls short in preparing for the hereafter and doing those things that will save him in the hereafter. Any person who falls short in that, then he is the one who is preferring the world over the hereafter. Right? That's who it's referring to. As for benefiting from the world, like in wealth and possessions and things of that nature, then that in itself is not necessarily blameworthy. It is only blameworthy when a person ignores and abandons the ways and means of being saved in the hereafter. Right? Otherwise, to merely be in possession of worldly things, that in itself is not blameworthy. So we need to be very clear about this, right? The world itself, as we said at the beginning, for a believer, the world is daru sidr, daru ghina, for the believer who uses it in the right way, right? The only these admonitions are for when a person he neglects. Those things that are going to deliver him in the hereafter. So long as he is doing those things that are going to deliver him in the hereafter, then whatever worldly possessions he acquires by way of means that Allah has made halal, and whatever he enjoys by way of lawful clothing, food, possessions, and so on and so forth, irrespective of what it is, then that is not blameworthy. That is not blameworthy at all. Right? So the issue comes down to neglect of being delivered in the hereafter. And there are some ayat in the Qur'an which are evidence for this. So for example, the ayah is mentioned here with respect to Qarun, right, the minister of Fir'aun, in which uh, Allah says, وَبَتَغِي 
فيما آتاك الله الدار الآخرة Seek that which Allah has seek out of that which is Allah has given you the abode of the hereafter meaning from the wealth which Allah has given you use it to seek the abode of the hereafter wala tansa nasibaka min ad-dunya and do not forget your portion in the world so look at how the Quran has balanced between the two things the hereafter and the life of this world right use the world your whatever you have been given to arrive at the hereafter but do not neglect what you have of the world either so islam has a very healthy attitude towards wealth possession and likewise to the hereafter right this is opposed to the marxists and the communists and the socialists and these people who are fraudsters and deceivers and cheaters and swindlers right to basically vilify wealth and say wealth is the cause of all oppression and tyranny and injustice and whatever and they want to destroy capital all of this is a scam all of this is a fraud all of this is just some very very clever people at the top who've realized this is a good way that we can mobilize people and make them revolt against the rulers against the kings against the queens make them believe that capital and wealth being you know concentrated in people's hands is is the root of all evil let's rebel against them and then they lead the people to rebellions and really all they're doing all they're really doing is using these people to basically uh, topple the kings the queens the rulers the institutions who have the wealth and then take that wealth themselves and then put the people who they used to rebel put them into basically slavery This is what communism is and socialism is and that's what that's what every social democracy in the west is basically running upon right this is a statement of fact what i've just told you every single western social democracy is just simply a a a a avail for communism that's all it is nothing else a central bank centralization of all transport of all the means of production right uh, indoctrination in the schools you read the 10 planks of marx's communism every single western social democracy is basically running upon that the democracy part is just to deceive you into thinking that you've got a choice we well, you don't right it's it's just it's it's socialism it's communism in slow small steps so islam look at this one ayah speaking to qarun you, in fact if you read the whole passage when it mentions qarun and whatever follows of the people of qarun being amazed at his wealth and you know he came out with his clothes dyed in saffron with all of his people and the people becoming amazed at this and thinking well, we, we, we wish we had this and then he becomes swallowed right the whole passage it's got a beautiful balanced position towards wealth right wealth is not haram wealth is not evil if it's used in the right way if a person seeks the hereafter with it and does not neglect his duties towards his lord right wealth is not the source of evil right so do not do not be brainwashed with these ideas of redistribution of wealth right this is just a means of looting people's wealth right the quran has come to establish the rights of every of all, of all people so here 
uh, as we said that this is an important distinction that we have to make right that a person these ayat apply to a person when he neglects the hereafter when he's not neglecting the hereafter then the wealth the mal everything else this is as long as it's lawful then there's no blameworthiness in that at all and this is now a healthy attitude towards wealth neither are we on the side of the communists marxists socialists who detest that wealth should be in people's hands other than theirs and want to plot schemes in order to steal it and enslave everybody else nor is it on the other side you know where people basically use wealth like the capitalists and they loan it out to interest based loans and they enslave people in in another way right it's a healthy way that you don't hoard it you spend it you make it go through into the society and there's zakat and all sorts of things we have a very healthy attitude towards wealth so you shouldn't think I free your wealth, and I shouldn't go. No, don't think like that. Actively go out and seek wealth, but then make sure you're not neglecting the hereafter. Right? So every believer, you should try to increase in wealth and find lawful ways of increasing wealth, because wealth is strength. But at the same time, fear Allah, and do not neglect the hereafter by way of it. So we have a very healthy attitude towards wealth. We don't fear it, and now do we become deceived by it? It has to be balanced. And that's what these ayat basically teach us. Um, we'll finish with a verse, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu, stajibu lillahi wa lirrasul, idha da'akum lima yuhyikum, wa'lamu anna allaha yahulu bain al-mar'i wa qalbih, wa annahu ilahi tushharun, or you who believe, respond to Allah and His Messenger when He calls you to that which gives you life. And know that Allah comes in between a man and his heart, and to him shall you be returned. From To him you shall, shall you be uh, resurrected and returned. Ash-Shawkani said, the majority of the Mufassirin, they said, the meaning of this ayah is, respond to obedience. Respond to Allah's obedience. And respond. This is Surah Al-Anfal, Surah 8, verse number 24. Respond to obedience and whatever the Qur'an contains of commands and prohibitions, this is what is eternal life and eternal pleasure. So upon a believer is to strive, um, you know, and to know the reality of the world and know how he should basically behave in the world um, and not to neglect his hereafter. So we'll stop at this point. We've got a small section left which is uh, something else which is very important um, we'll continue with this inshallah ta'ala in the in the uh, next lesson or if you want let's see one two three four five and we can continue with it after the prayer if you wish it's up to you it might take about half an hour but if you don't we can leave it till till next week yeah okay we'll leave it till next week inshallah ta'ala so uh, we'll end there because it's obviously connected to what we're discussing because I mentioned like, you know, the, the, the Marxists and the communists and the socialists and things like that. And the next set of ayat speak about people, people who live in luxury. Luxury. In the Quran, there are many ayat which speak about those who were destroyed were the very rich, powerful people who were living in luxury and committing evil deeds. Right? And so this is this is always in every nation you see there are the powerful who live in luxury 
and who are arrogant and they are disbelievers, they don't believe in the hereafter, and they oppress the people and mislead the people, misguide the people, and those people, people follow them, right? So it, it's obviously connected to the point that we just made about wealth and a healthy attitude towards wealth. Uh, so inshallah, we, we'll, we'll recap what we discussed and we'll take up that discussion in the next lesson, inshallah ta'ala. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Can I ask a quick question before we go for prayer? Perhaps it's more of an advice on the last point, which is that our religion doesn't forbid us from acquiring halal wealth, things from the dunya, as long as it's not done at the expense of our jannah. Yeah. So, I suppose the question or the advice that I'd like to ask is, how do we balance, and what does that balance look like practically on a day-to-day basis here in Britain, for us Muslims that want to acquire the wealth and things of the dunya, but not at the expense of the hereafter, but surrounded by people who acquire wealth as their end goal. As what? As their end goal, okay. wealth and whatever else. So practically, what does it look like for us Muslims here in Britain to get the balance on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. Obviously, with that question, I'll repeat that question again because uh, probably the sisters might not have heard it. So basically, the question is how, in light of what we've discussed, how does a Muslim, practically speaking, strike a balance between uh, trying to seek wealth, um, you know, on a day-to-day basis, and at the same time not neglecting the obligations that we have uh, in terms of our individual obligations, in terms of the, the, the basic pillars, and likewise our responsibilities to families, children, uh, in terms of... Uh, uh, you know, educating them, teaching them, giving them tarbiyah. How does a person strike a balance? Now, this is um, it's a very uh, subjective question because uh, not everybody is in the same situation, right? So it's not like one answer for everybody because not every person is in the uh, same situation. Same situation of you know, do they have existing wealth? Do they have any savings? Um, are they working? Are they self-employed? Do they have a business? Are they invest? Every, everybody is in a different situation. And so this disparity, this difference, this itself is from the law of Allah and His creation. Right? He apportions to whomever He wills. And He puts different people in different uh, situations. So there isn't one specific answer that can be given that's going to be the same for every single person. But what we can do, what we can say, is in terms of general... Um, general pieces of advice or practical advice then the first piece of advice um, so then then obviously then it's up to you to then go and take that advice and use it however you see fit so the first piece of advice is uh, that you have to have uh, time management you have to be able to utilize your time in the most efficient way possible why? because in this country, and in fact most countries, uh, you know, we, we have so many things pulling us in different directions, right? So we have, first of all, our financial obligations towards the family. We have obviously our obligations, the religious obligations. And we find that the thing that most people lose out with respect to is time. We just don't have enough of it, right? So 
You have to free out your time on a weekly basis. You need to have time before you do anything else. If you're not prepared to make time, then you're not going to, you, you are not going to be able to seek uh, wealth. You're not going to be able to build wealth. You're not going to do anything. So the first commodity, the first thing of value that you should be thinking of is time. Before you even think about anything else in terms of how I'm going to make money, what I'm going to do, it's got to be time. Right? So you've got to sit down and think, what are the things which are killing my time? What are the things that are taking time away from me? Right? Everybody knows from his own experience. You need to be able to put aside a certain amount of hours per week, be that four, ten, or whatever it might be, and then you need to use that time in order to... Uh, you know, go to the next step or the next point or the next, you know. The next point then is basically to gain knowledge. Acquire knowledge as to how can I make wealth? How can I build wealth? What are the various ways and means I can build wealth? Right? And the ways and means to build wealth, um, you know, whether it's saving whether it's looking at avenues, whether it's acquiring a qualification in something, in some uh, skill or some discipline or whatever, to make yourself more employable or to, you know, take on part-time work or to um, contract work or whatever, right? That's open to you what you want to do and every person's situation is different. So first of all, it's got to begin with time. Then that time is going to be used um, fruitfully in order to, investigate, research, pick up skills, uh, think of business plans, do whatever, then seek the help and assistance of other Muslims who you know who already have expertise and skill, right? You do all that. And um, uh, then you find a direction. You find a direction that you want to follow and that you want to go in. And um, then obviously, it's, it's, you know, it, it's got to be halal and it's got to be lawful and... Um, you know, it's got to be uh, done in the right way. Um, so I can only really give you those two things because because then after this, it's now going into specifics, like specific things. Well, what should you get into? I don't really know every individual person's, you know, skills. Like, for example, you could be, um, you might have an aptitude for uh, programming, for example. So what I could say to you then is that, you know... Uh, the, the, there's a, there is a huge, absolutely huge market in programming and you know computer programming languages because all of industry and all of commerce and all of contracts is going to go in the direction of you know the, the, this you know um, financial technology, uh, uh, blockchain technology, things like that. This is where the fundamental shift is going in the next 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years. The whole society is going to change. This is where it's going. It's inevitable. So I could say to you in general which direction to go in, which skills to get to make yourself employable with high paid jobs. Right? And this will apply even to Muslim countries because it's global. Right? So what you should be thinking, you, you should, so first of all, find the time, make up time. Use that time to start doing serious research into trends, uh, which skills are in demand or which are going to be in demand, 
then either you seek them yourself or you nurture your children to have those skills. Right? You, you, you direct your children from an early age to certain disciplines and skills that they can use to basically make themselves employable or even set up, you know, their own businesses at some time in the future. And so, the additional thing I want to say as well, that the issue of mutual advice between Muslims, because Muslims don't really, we don't really speak often enough amongst each other. Uh, sometimes a person's by himself thinking of ideas, he doesn't really know that there's maybe 10, 15 other people across the, the country whom he, he knows, or the Muslims who could actually help him and give him direction. And there's enough wealth to go around. So I guess the other thing would be also that, you know, uh, there, there should be mutual advice between Muslims, people of the Sunnah, in advising each other in terms of giving advice, you know, help, assistance, things like that, in setting up businesses and becoming strong in that way. This this is really, really crucial and important. And it's obviously a very important question you've raised. And, you know, it can't really be discussed in a, a small uh, you know, question answer like this, but yeah. How about the aspect of the deen? Because we seem to get engrossed in that. Yeah. Because we're surrounded by people that that's yeah. their primary focus. Yeah. But, but that's what. That's why I said. But that's why I said you have to make time in in your week. You have to say, for example, right, I'm going to get all my chores done, and basically Saturday morning from nine till two in the afternoon, that is just my time to dedicate specifically to this. Right, so that's why that's that's part of the answer because I know you've, we have religious religious obligations. So in all of that, you have to find that time first, in order you can specifically dedicate that time to lay out your your plan and your further directions. So that's why I'm not really giving you an answer to your specific question. I've I've given you I've told what I've told you is how to go about what the the basic method you should use uh, to allow you to to address this problem right so it's time management first and foremost right and then doing research and then networking and finding assistance of other muslims who can probably assist you and direct you whether it's in terms of investment whether it's in terms of employment whatever else it might be there's there's so much know-how that muslims have but it's not being shared between you know between them and so that needs to increase more more and more so i've given you like, like general things which which you know will facilitate um, for every person how to go about the the specific thing in their own specific uh, way but uh, yeah so like you know you could come to me and I could you know give give advice what I, what I know somebody else might have more knowledge on you know international markets and you know um, trade in different countries and give you advice with respect to that and this all is as I said very subjective and you know uh, that comes down to the details at the end. But Allah knows best. You know, it's uh, uh, a lot more to it. Okay, we'll stop it.